Hello, St. Louis, and welcome to the STL Leaders Podcast, hosted by Brian Bisking. Brian started this weekly podcast to give a voice to leaders of our community, to share their story, their journey, and the lessons that they have learned along the way. Brian grew up in a small town outside of St. Louis, where he watched his father run a small business and was always interested in how the leaders in his community got where they are. Whether it's a local business leader, a philanthropist, or a celebrity, these are your STL Leaders. Join us today, where we will chat with another pillar of our community on this week's episode of the STL Leaders Podcast. And now, your host, Brian Bisking. Hello, St. Louis, and welcome to the STL Leaders Podcast. I got to thank my four sponsors today. First, NWO IT Services, Synchrony HR, Enterprise Bank and Trust, and the Tom James Company. And now to this week's episode with Ron Amlin. Ron Amlin is the CEO and partner at Small Business Monthly, a publisher of the St. Louis Business Magazine, a how-to magazine for owners of small and mid-sized businesses, and Ron is the host of the St. Louis Business Expo and Business Growth Conference, Missouri's largest business-to-business expo and workshop. Over the past 10 years, Small Business Monthly's event division has produced over 600 educational events for small businesses, ranging from large trade shows to small board meetings. It is my honor to welcome Ron Amlin to the show. Ron Amlin, welcome to the STL Leaders Podcast. I appreciate you coming on here today. Thanks, Brian. It is uh, my pleasure to be here with you. Absolutely. So I've uh, known you several years now um, and love your publication, Small Business Monthly. And I thought, what better uh, STL leader to get on the show to talk about small businesses than you? And so I'm excited to dive in today and kind of talk about the whole landscape of small businesses and you know how this pandemic has affected St. Louis and the small businesses we have here in our community, as well as you know some lessons that you've learned along the years uh, when it comes to entrepreneurship and uh, the amazing people that you get to, to deal with on a daily basis. But let's start really in the beginning and talk about growing up and what led you to being the owner of Small Business Monthly. Well, I, I tell you what, I grew up here. I'm a St. Louisan, uh, born and raised in, in Florissant, Missouri, up in, in North County. Um, and uh, as a kid, the, the, uh, the really the, the only academic thing I was really good at was writing. Um, I remember in, uh, in, in early high school, maybe freshman or sophomore, I was in uh, you know, an English class and, and we, we walked in and the teacher said, OK, I want you guys to write an essay about something. And, uh, and so I wrote my essay, it was three, four pages long, and, and I walked up to the teacher's desk and I turned it in. And, and I, as I was walking back to my seat, I noticed all of these, I was looking at all the other kids' papers as I was walking back and, and most of them were blank. And so I had written this essay in, in 10, 15 minutes and, and got a great score on it. And so writing was always something that, that came really naturally for me and something I really enjoyed. Um, so that's where, uh, when I went to college, I went to the Mizzou Journalism School and, uh, and became a reporter. Started off my career uh, as a sports reporter and covered the Kansas City Chiefs football team and the, the St. Louis Cardinals baseball team for a few years. But 
but really didn't enjoy that much. Um, and uh, I remember one time uh, covering the Cardinals, I was doing a story on Joe McGrain's groin injury, right? And I'm up in the press box in a cold April uh, afternoon, writing, typing out this story about his groin injury. And I thought, you know, there, there's got to be more to life than typing about a grown man's groin injury. <laughs> so, uh, so, so I left there and I got a job at a startup, the St. Louis Small Business Monthly. Judy Metter had started it uh, as a magazine to, to really help and guide small business owners uh, as they go on along their journey of uh, building a business. And uh, a lot of times, uh, most times, business small business owners are great technicians. They're great at what they do. They're great IT people. They're great roofers. You know, they're great PR people. So they get into business, but but they don't really understand the the entire aspects of running a business. And so that's what we started doing uh, with the magazine. So we we don't cover any news. We we just cover how to uh, information about how to to build a better business. And so. Uh, I worked there for, for many years. I left for a while, and then the, uh, the owner was selling the business. I came back and bought it um, about 15 years ago, and I've been the owner since. That's a really neat story. I, uh, I think what you guys do here for St. Louis for small businesses is, is pretty neat. And so speaking of that, um, you kind of hit a little bit there on the mission of the publication, but dive in a little deeper on really what is, what is the mission for the, for the publication and what is the, what is the goal for the audience that reads it? Sure. I, I think the, the, uh, the mission is really to help people grow their businesses, um, to be a sounding board for, for folks along their journey, growing their businesses. And, and we, we're a lot more than just a magazine and we, we have events, we have, uh, we go around the country and, and, and set up uh, educational events for business owners to let them know how to really understand their financials and, and, and how to really hire employees and, and all the aspects of, of business that they, they don't really teach you uh, in, in college. And so, uh, so we, we, we have events, we have seminars, um, we have all types of accelerators. So we, we, we do a lot, everything we do centers around educating that business owner uh, so they they can be uh, they can build a better business. So so this year their business can be better than than last year. Yeah, no, I think that's really neat, and I think very much needed, and uh, especially in our community. I mean, I know there's some great organizations out there that um, also do some networking and peer to peer groups, things like this. But every time I've been to some of your events, they've been very well done, um, and they're a great they're a great avenue for those companies out there that are that are smaller wanting to get to be a bigger business. Um, and they have, you know, the, the audience and the guidance from you guys, as well as the community around them. I think it's uh, really, really well done. Talk to me about how you have taken the business from when you bought it 15 years ago and grown it over the last several years. Yeah. Well, when, when we bought it um, you know, the business was struggling a bit um, and it was basically just the magazine and revenue came from just uh, the, the advertising in the magazine, 98% in fact did that. So we, we had a five-year goal of being 50-50 where we were going to build other uh, uh, revenue streams and other areas of revenue. And that's really when we started the events and the, the uh, educational uh, events that we have uh, here in St. Louis and around the country. And so, you know, over the last 15 years, you know, we, we've built a business that, that now is about half of the half of our revenue comes from the magazine. And, and the other half really comes from our, the big trade shows we have every year from the educational events we have every year. And so uh, we diversified in a lot of ways um, to help us, you know, 
continue to, to serve the, the business community. And so that, that's kind of what we did um, to help ourselves. But what we did to help our, our clients was really dive into that educational space. And when, when, when I bought the business 15 years ago, I got the employees together and I said, you know, we, we are no longer a newspaper, a magazine. You know, we're not going to look at ourselves like that anymore. We're going to look at ourselves as, as an advocate for business and, and an organization that helps businesses grow. And that's really what we're going to focus on. And so that, that has really been the, the mission for the last 15 years. We've really upped, uh, you know, what, what we're doing as far as uh, educating business owners and helping them. And I, I'll give you an example. You know, bankers tell us that 70% of small business owners truly don't understand their financials. And so, you know, they, they don't understand their cost of goods sold and they, they don't understand their, their profit margins and, and that is, is hurting a lot of businesses. And, and in fact, 60% of businesses that go out of business are actually profitable, but they have cash flow problems. Um, and so, you know, one of the things that we've gone out and, and, and worked really, really hard on is really educating business owners on their financials. So they understand their margins so they, they can eke out that profit at the end of the year. Um, if I, I'll give you another a great example. If, you, if you're a restaurant owner, um, and, and, and you're serving food to folks. I mean, you, the, the actual food cost has to be lower than 30% of what you're charging your customers. And if you get into that 35 or 40 range, you, you'll never make it as a restaurant owner. And, and most people don't understand that. And, and the big players understand it. I mean, they'll dice up tomatoes and they'll figure out what each little slice of tomato costs them. And they'll know exactly what they should be charging their, their guests. But, but small business owners don't understand that. So we, we, as I said, we go around the country and really try to, to educate these business owners because once they understand their numbers and once they understand um, how to run their business businesses, then, then it gives them this sense of relief and it gives them this sense of optimism that they can really push their business uh, into the future. Absolutely. Well, I think all those are very, very good points and examples. Um, you know, speaking on the, on the restaurant industry, I know, um, I don't know the exact percentage you might that a lot of restaurants that open up, don't make it. Um, a lot of them fail. And I would assume that that's because they don't know their numbers. It is. I mean, that, that is primarily it. The other, the other, uh, reason that a lot fails, it's, it's an easy entry, uh, industry. And, and when I say that, I mean, you know, if, if the local Mexican restaurant uh, down the street from you goes out of business, then um, you can can easily go up to the landlord and say, hey, for fifteen hundred bucks a month, you know, I, I can I'll rent this from you. And so then you have a working kitchen and booths and and, you know, you're, you're ready to go. So it's easy to get into to a restaurant because when restaurants fail, then they, those landlords are looking for somebody to come in. And uh, so it's easy to get you know, a working kitchen going within a month. Um, and so, uh, so there's an easy entry in, into the, that industry. And so a lot of people get in who don't have the experience. And then, then as you say, don't, don't truly understand their numbers and, and, and that can be a problem as well. Yeah. So I know you talk to a lot of small business owners, uh, obviously you're doing a lot of education stuff with them. And obviously we, we went through a really challenging year in 2020 and we're starting to see the light at the end of the tunnel right now. And, you know, states are opening back up and counties are opening back up and businesses are opening back up, you know, slowly but surely. Um, but talk to us about the pandemic. Um, talk to us about, you know, what SBM Small Business Monthly did to kind of help navigate that uh, the, the challenges that small businesses were having. 
And then give me some tidbits on kind of where you see the recovery at um, and uh, our, our business is starting to kind of come out of this. Yeah, well, first I'll, I'll tackle the, the uh, uh, you know, how, how the COVID-19 affected small business. I mean, I, I've been involved with small businesses since 1992 and I, I've been through three recessions, one really bad one in 08, 09. Um, and I've, I've never seen um, uh, an environment um, that has been this bad for small businesses. I mean, this, this was really, I mean, small businesses bore the brunt of this. There, there's no, no question about it. Um, when you think about, uh, you know, how devastating this has been for small business owners. And I, I hear it all the time from small business owners. But, but I, and I have to say that, you know, it's been a tale of, of, of really uh, uh, industries, um, whether you've been hit hard or not. I mean, in some industries have not done that poorly during COVID, even if you're a small business. I mean, you know, uh, business services, professional services have done okay. Um, IT has done really well. Um, healthcare-related companies have done really well. Um, but some of the, the others that, that have not done well are, are certainly the hospitality, you know, the travel, um, things like that, restaurants, obviously, anything to do with tourism, uh, transportation, those have all been hit really, really hard. And, and even things like dentist office. I mean, I was talking with a dentist a couple months ago, that, and he told me that, that this October, in October 2020, um, the number of patients he saw was down 15% over October 2019. So people aren't even comfortable yet going back to the dentist to get their teeth cleaned. And, you know, 15%, I mean, most businesses work on a margin, a profit margin of 5%. So you're losing 15% of your business. I mean, that's, that's difficult. So even dentists are, are struggling. Um, and so, so this, this has been a difficult, difficult time for business owners. And, and the, the tough part is, you know, even during a, a uh, recession, a bad recession, if you owned a restaurant, I mean, maybe your business is down a bit. I mean, if, if, if unemployment's at 10%, maybe 10% of your customers aren't coming in the door. But when, when the government shuts you down and you can't have any business coming in or, or you're at 50% capacity, I mean, that's just devastating. And, and you have no control over that. Um, I know someone in the uh, the spa industry that used to always tell me that that her business was uh, recession proof because she said even during a bad recession, women will come in for their cut and color, right? Yeah. Well, in the the two months with COVID, I mean, and, and all the spas were shut down, women weren't coming in for their cut and co- uh, cut and color. So she she really wasn't prepared for anything like that, um, and so uh, so 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 then what we did was we tried to just continue to educate our, our readers on, and, and, and our listeners on, on what, we, what they could do to, to help themselves. And we did a lot on uh, cash flow analysis because cash is king at this stage of the game. Uh, when you're struggling, we, we did a lot of work on PPP loans and how to get those. And, and I have to say, I, I think that the, the government, in fact, one, one person told me this, the, the PPP loans were the one thing the government's ever done right. Um, And the PPP loans were great because in a lot of instances, they gave business owners a couple months breathing room to try to kind of figure out uh, how to how to handle this this uh, uh, pandemic and then how to get their business back in order. So so like the salon owner who never, ever thought she'd have to worry about uh, a downturn in her business. Now she could take a deep breath. She had a couple months where, where her her. Her, at least her payroll and her uh, 
health expenses were being paid for her folks. And she could take a deep breath and, and start to come up with a strategy about how she is going to handle this uh, in the future. So, so we did a lot of work on that. We had a big, uh, our website uh, during the, the peak of COVID had uh, resources, and then we had advice from other business owners on how to get through it. Um, and then the, the, the last question you asked was the recovery and where do I think it's going? It looks like it's, it's going in a great uh, direction. I mean, the economy was, we were really riding a wave in this economy, small businesses were, that, that we hadn't seen in years. Um, and in fact, the, for most small businesses before COVID, the, the biggest challenge was, was finding qualified people. And uh, so we'll, we'll see where, if we can pick that, pick up from where we, we left off. Um, before COVID, the biggest, as I said, the biggest challenge for a lot of small business owners was that a lot of baby boomers were starting to retire. And then, so it's, how do you replace all that experience um, when, when those, I, I, when those folks retire, I, I know an accounting firm that, that lost three senior uh, members uh, in 2019 to retirement. And, and those senior members had over a hundred years experience between them. So how do you, how do you hire to, to match that 100 years of experience that just walked out the door. And so that was the biggest challenge for business owners. So we'll, we'll see where those challenges go as we get through COVID. But uh, hopefully, you know, the, in three, four, five months, we're, uh, we're past COVID and, and hopefully we're not even wearing masks. Yeah, I fingers crossed on that. I, you know, yeah. I, um, I think the entire thing is just sad. And I don't know if there's anybody to really blame for it. Uh, but uh, it's just sad that it happened when it happened, because to your point, the economy was, I mean, the best economy I've ever seen in my lifetime. I, I can, I can assure you of that. And I'm they're going to be 35 this year. Um, but it, you know, to your point, we, I'm in the HR industry, right? So I deal with payroll, I deal with benefits, I deal with HR. And the questions that we were getting were before COVID was to your point, challenges will try to find top talent. That was the biggest challenge that small businesses were facing because they were growing so well, uh, they needed to add more employees. Um, and so we did a lot of, you know, a lot of help with that. And then, you know, obviously come, come came about a year ago this time, it was, you know, we got to shut everything down. Um, and, you know, this is not a political statement by any means, but I think, you know, yes, yeah, so I believe we had to shut down for a period of time to try to limit, uh, limit what was happening. I'm not entirely sure we should still be locked down. I'm not entirely sure we should have been locked down as long as we were. I think people are uh, educated enough on this situation now that they can make the choices for themselves, be smart, wear their mask, wash their hands, put hand sanitizer on, all those things, and still go about their lives um, to, to keep people safe, but also be able to keep the economy going. Um, I think, you know, I, I understand the stimulus money that our government has handed out, but you know, we got to pay for that at some point. We, you know, we've now added four or five trillion dollars to our national debt, and that gets really challenging um, when we start to realize that that's got to be paid back uh, at some point. So I think the whole thing is sad. I hope and pray that you're right that we're on the uh, road to recovery at this point. And uh, you know, for all those small businesses that were hurt and affected by this, um, I just pray that you know they come out of it because I know a lot of small business owners. Obviously, I deal with them as well that have you know invested their life savings their time their life into this into this business and they've given their heart and soul and then this happened not to their fault and now they're struggling to even find how to make payroll it's just a sad situation yeah it is and and uh 
You know, the, the thing is, I, I think a lot of people, politicians from both sides of the aisle, in fact, don't really understand what it's like to be a, a, a small business owner. And, and really half, more than half of the employees in this country work for a business with less than 20 employees. So think about that. I mean, more than half of people employed in this country are working for companies with less than 20 employees. And when you are that business owner, and I'm speaking as the person who's a business owner, uh, as that under 20 business employer, it's, it's a huge responsibility. And, 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 and you know, when, when many of these business owners, you know, have, have put their, their mortgages on the line, you know, they've done a second mortgage to, to afford their business and their lives are on the line. And, and, and it's difficult when, when, when frustrating when, when the government comes in and tells you, you, you've got to put that on hold. And, and it's not even ourselves. I mean, I have, I have employees who have health issues and I, I'm, I'm responsible for their health insurance. And, yeah. uh, and, and that's a huge, huge responsibility. And, and, and if I can't afford their health insurance, they're not going to have health insurance. And, and then whether they have diabetes or cancer, or, I mean, and so and it's a huge, huge responsibility for, for business owners. And, and, you know, if, 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 if we can go out there and, and, and make our businesses work and, and if we fail on our own, then we fail. But when, when someone throws up, uh, you know, uh, speed bumps and, and barriers uh, in our way. It, it's really difficult because like I said, we have employees who, who have health issues who rely on us to provide health insurance for them. And, uh, and without us, they're, they're, they're not gonna have that insurance and it's gonna affect their lives. And so, uh, you know, I, I think a lot as a small business owner, I think a lot about the, the folks who bought cars and homes and, and the health insurance that we provided over the years and, and uh, you know, I mean, that, that, that kind of makes the community work. And yeah. so, uh, you know, that a lot of times people think of small business owners like, you know, they would the, the CEO of Amazon or, or, right. or something like that. And it, it's, it's totally different. And, uh, and, and so I, I hope that, that someday that, that the politicians will kind of realize what, what, you know, the business owners, small business owners are actually going through. Yeah. And to your point, it's, it's on both sides of the aisle. Right. And so it's, um, it's, it's just sad. Uh, I don't know how else to say it. And now for a quick break, we bring in our sponsor, Enterprise Bank & Trust, member FDIC. Enterprise Bank & Trust knows that every business and every person is unique. That's why they get to know you in a way that the large financial institutions don't. They are our banking partner here at the STL Leaders Podcast, and I highly recommend that you check them out. To learn more, visit enterprisebank.com. And now back to this week's episode of the STL Leaders Podcast. Talk to me about, you know, I, I know you've been with Small Business Monthly for 15 years, and I do know you do a lot of speaking around the country. So talk to me about some lessons that you've learned along your lifetime that you pass on to your listeners. Well, you know, I've, I've been kind of known as a small business guy. And so I've, I've been going all around the country talking about small businesses and strategies to, to grow your business. And I've been doing a lot of that. But one, one of the things I, I try to to talk with every group that, that I speak with about is really the, the opportunity we all have to, to make a difference in, in the lives of other people. Um, and, uh, and then that, that's really something that, that I talk about all the time. And, and if you think back to, to all of our lives, I mean, we, we've had that, we have that opportunity to do that, you know, and, and in my own life, when, when I was in the third grade at, at Lusher Elementary School in Florissant, Missouri, um, I was not uh, faring well as a student. In fact, I, I was in the third grade, but I was reading at a first grade level. Um, and my math skills were even worse. And so, 
at the end of the year that the principal brought my mom and dad in and he said that they wanted to flunk me in the third grade. They wanted to hold, hold me back. And, and my mom knew that, that I was a really shy, introverted kid, and she thought that would be really hard on me. And so ever the negotiator, my mom struck a deal with the principal and, and she said, hey, if you, if you let Ron go to fourth grade, if, if, he, if, if you still come to me after fourth grade and say that you want to hold him back, I won't stand in the way. So, so off to fourth grade, I went. And in fourth grade, I had a, uh, you know, a white-haired teacher named Mrs. Cox. And Mrs. Cox spent three days a week with me uh, after school for about an hour, hour and a half. And we went through the third grade. We went through the second grade. We went through the first grade. And, and Mrs. Cox in that year um, pretty much got me back up to, to speed. And uh, it was, it, her efforts were amazing. And, 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 and now that I'm older, I, I can see how much that really impacted my life because you know statistics show that if, if, if students enter middle school and they're not reading at the proper uh, reading level, their chances of graduating from high school are really in. And so I was on the cusp of being a statistic. And uh, Mrs. Cox's efforts really changed my life. I mean, I went on to college. I was the first person in my entire extended family to earn a four-year degree. Um, I own a business now. And, and a lot of it has to do with the efforts Mrs. Cox made to really help me. And uh, and, and, and the, the sad thing is I, I, I never was able to go back and, and tell her thank you. And I'm sure there were many days where she drove to work and thought, you know, she's, she's, she's not making a difference in any of these kids' lives. And in reality, she changed my life uh, in ways that, that no one could ever imagine. And so I, I talk about that a lot because, um, you know, we all have that, that opportunity. And, and I was asked to, to, I've been asked to go to several uh, high schools and give commencement addresses to, to graduating seniors. And, 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 and I tell this story about Mrs. Cox and, and you know, I, I, I tell kids that, you know, if, if you really want to find happiness and joy in your life, it, it really doesn't matter where you go to college or, or even what you major in. To, probably to the chagrin of their parents in the audience. But, but I say, if, if, if you really want to find true happiness, I mean, be like Mrs. Cox, be that person who, who gets off a, a bus seat, walks over, sits down the aisle, or walks across the aisle, sits down next to somebody and really helps them. Because if, if you do that, I mean, happiness will find you. And, uh, and so that I, I talk a lot about that because I think we all have the power within us to, to really make a difference in the lives of others. I mean, as an employer or as a spouse or as a sibling, I mean, we have that opportunity to really make a difference in people's lives. And most of the time we don't even know we're making it just like Mrs. Cox. I mean, she, she never had any idea that, uh, that she made such a difference in my life, but, but we all have that, that ability to, to go out there and, and, and make a difference in someone's life. And, uh, I mean, I think that's the key to really building communities and, and, and building even businesses is really going out there and uh, uh, helping other people. Yeah, no, absolutely. And great, great life lesson there as well. Um, we all should be willing, wanting to help others. Um, I think that's what makes St. Louis a great place. A lot of people do a lot of networking here in St. Louis and are always willing to help other people. And so that's what makes our community so strong here in St. Louis. Um, I always end this podcast by asking for some advice that you'd like to give the audience. Uh, I know that you got several pieces of advice that you'd like to share today. So share those with us now. 
Sure. Um, so over the years, I have, I have sat down with uh, thousands of, of some of the area's most successful business owners. And, uh, and it's interesting, uh, about six months ago, I just I started to think about all these conversations I've had and all these interviews I've had with these successful business folks. And, and uh, they all had six really strong uh, characteristics. Um, and they, they all held these. So, so I jotted them down. I'm going to share them with you now. So these, these are the, the six things that all these successful business owners had. Um, one, that they had this, this uh, ability to really feed their mind. I mean, they would read, um, they would listen to podcasts, and, and they would, everything that they would, all the knowledge they would take in would be something that would help better them. Um, and so they, they all had that in common. I mean, things like this podcast, um, you know, the articles, books that would really help them, give them a different uh, philosophy on, 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 on something that, uh, something about living life. So that feeding their mind was one of the things that, that they all had. Number two was really feeding and strengthening their bodies. Um, it, it, it's more important for a business owner to feel strong and healthy than, than ever before, because, you know, worry is, business owners have a lot of things to worry about and worry can be very physical and, and, and we can feel that in our own bodies. So successful business owners uh, do a lot to, to stay in shape and really feed and strengthen their bodies. Number three was, is, is really find a role model and learn from them. And successful business owners do that. They, they're able to find role models and follow them and communicate with them and really learn from them. In fact, um, there are organizations in town like Vistage and EO and, and that, that are, are peer groups where you go and, and, and kind of mentor each other. And those have been really successful for, for business owners. And if you don't have a mentor, if you don't have a role model, if you don't have a peer group, I, I suggest you find one. Um, number four is really take the step. I mean, successful business owners, you know, they do it. They, they don't wait. They don't wait till that website is just perfect before they launch it. They don't wait till that business idea is, is, is just perfect and they've, they've tested it amongst 150 people before they roll it out. They roll it out. And, uh, and, and I think that it, you gotta take the leap. As a business owner, as an entrepreneur, um, you won't find success unless you take that leap. Um, number five is really give back. Um, as we talked about the Mrs. Cox story, I mean, really give back to someone who has it worse than you. And I, I think that, that successful business owners do that. And, and number six, and one of the most important things is to really celebrate the, the little victories that come along in, in your businesses. And, and most of the time, um, we don't do that as business owners. And I think we really need to, that it's not the destination that, that matters at the end. Um, it's really the journey. And we have to, we have to enjoy all the steps of that journey uh, to make it all worthwhile. No, I think those six points are amazing points. Um, and I'm glad you shared those with us today. I think the one that stands out to me is number four, uh, take a step. Uh, when I started this podcast in June of last year, I had no idea what I was doing. Uh, I hadn't, I, I just didn't know. And I just said, well, I'm going to figure it out. I'm going to do it. And now we're averaging between 500 and 700 listeners a month. Uh, we're booked with, with guests all the way until July now. And it's just been an overwhelming about, you know, piece of success. And I didn't even have a website when I started. So I, I think, you know, that, that point for me uh, really hit me because um, I, I, I didn't, I didn't just 
mull around and try to figure it out. I just did it. I just took the step. I took the leap of faith thinking what, what's the worst thing that's going to happen is I'm going to make, uh, make myself look like a fool. Um, and so it's, it's now been a lot of fun and, and it's been great to talk to people like you, who is a great STL leader here in our community. And so on behalf of myself and this podcast, thank you for what you're doing for small businesses um, and what you're do should doing to share uh, the value with our community here in St. Louis. If somebody wants to find you, your company and, and the publication, how can they find you? Sure. Well, I got the easiest way is probably our, our website, which is sbmon.com. All right, Ron. Well, behalf, on behalf of myself and this podcast, thank you for coming on and being a great STL leader. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the STL Leaders Podcast. This week's episode was brought to you by Synchrony HR. Stay tuned for next week's episode with Chad Opal.